We'll get to episode 224 in just a moment, but before we do, I'd like to ask for your support of I Can't See You. It's easy. Just go to ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon whenever you need to make a purchase from Amazon.com. You'll end up at the homepage of Amazon.com. Shop as you normally do. Check out as you normally do. It doesn't cost anything more to you, but I do earn a small commission in most cases. Again, that's ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 224 of I Can't See You. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode, right at the beginning of fantasy hockey playoff week. (laughs) It doesn't look good for me either, and that's a shame because I had a pretty good season. (laughs) Enough about that, though. I do have a few other things to talk about today, as usual. And it was a very busy week for me, which is very unusual. And when I say busy, most we, most of my weeks are busy, but they involve doing things at home, and there are times when I don't go out from one week to the next. This week, I was out every day of the week except for Friday. The first item on the docket for the week was my glaucoma specialist appointment, and That actually had been pushed back a couple of weeks when the doctor had to postpone because he was not going to be in the office the day of my original appointment. So I went on Monday, and I was really interested in going because my vision has really been horrible, as I've mentioned. (laughs) And, And again, I know it sounds funny that when somebody who's blind says their vision is horrible, again, it's that all or nothing thing that people think when they hear of a blind person, and it's not an all or nothing it's imagine a light switch a light can be on but on a dimmer so really dim so it's not as bright as it could be that's how my vision is not as good as it could be <laughs> and and even really dim now <laughs> so i went to see him uh i've had some issues since beginning the new medication for my psoriatic arthritis the medicine is called TALTS and I almost immediately noticed an issue, and I didn't connect the two for about a week to 10 days. So once I made that connection, I thought, okay, well, let's see. The medicine is something that I take every two, every four weeks. Let's see what happens before I take it again, and, and I'll make that determination. And as it got closer, it didn't seem as bad, or maybe I got used to it, but it does seem like as the you go further away from the injection date, that it does start to get a little bit better. Again, not back to where it was before taking it, but a little bit better. So I took my second dose of TALTS uh, the first Sunday in March. And again, I was excited because the first Monday in March, I was supposed to go see the doctor. So that would have been a, a good tell of what's going on. But that didn't happen, so I had it this week, and my doctor, his name is Dr. Pro, really that's his name, and he didn't see anything different or unusual when looking at my eyes. Still the same old suspects there, the retina issues and all the other items going on. Everything looked pretty much the same from the last time I had seen him, and 
I don't know how to read this, but he pushed my next appointment for six months. Now, I had been seeing him every three or four months. So to me, that's, I don't know if that means there's nothing he can do, no sense <laughs> in having me come in, or he thought that, well, I, he told me to go see my retina guy, Dr. Garg, and let him have a look because maybe there was something there. He saw the notes from Dr. Ayers, who is my cornea guy, because they're in the same practice. It's one's cornea, one's glaucoma, and Dr. Garg is in a different practice. His, uh, his practice is called Mid-Atlantic Retina. So he didn't see any reason to come back sooner. Now, the, the funny thing was, and, and this is how I knew right off the bat how bad my vision was. When they put the first letter up on the screen, and in my case, they usually put the 2400 line up, I usually can take a look and kind of move my head around and move my eye around to kind of take a guess. I couldn't even take a guess at what I was looking at. I saw some black. I knew that there was something up there, but all I saw was black on the white background. Now, had they flipped that around to white on a the black background, I probably would have been able to read it. And I didn't know until after Will had written down that I was doing finger counting at three feet as my visual acuity that I turned around and, you know, the rooms are smaller, so they reflect the image off of something behind you that you then look into a mirror that's in front if you've ever had any kind of visual acuity test. Back in the day, <laughs> they made these long rooms, and it, it was done that way. They, somebody came up with the ingenious idea of using mirrors to bounce them back and forth so, <laughs> so, so you don't have to build these really weird long rooms, long and narrow to this chart at the other end. So when Will the, – the other funny thing, when Will was doing finger counting – he puts up two fingers about six inches from my nose, and I, you know, I said two. And then he backs up, and he puts up four about three feet away. And then he goes back further, and as I'm trying to read them, he lowers them. And, and I said, no, 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 put them back. He said, oh, I didn't want them in the mirror. And then I, and I jokingly said, oh, you have eight because it was right in front of the mirror. I couldn't see how many he actually had up. Uh, I, I never saw him change from four to something else. So I don't know what he was having up when it was near the mirror or just below the mirror. I, I couldn't read it. So he put it in his finger, finger counting at three feet on my left eye. My right eye, as usual, doesn't, doesn't see anything. The eye pressure was pretty decent, actually was up a notch uh, to six, which in most cases would have been good compared to the last time. I think the last time I was there, it was five, maybe even have been four, and that was the reason that with the low pressure that, that my vision wasn't great. But the fact that it was six and it was terrible, I, I, I don't know what the answer was. And I don't know that Dr. Pro knew what the answer was. But that's how my week started off. The worst part, <laughs> the worst part about not knowing anything or getting anything out of that is what it cost me to get there. I Ubered there and Ubered back. My hope was, had I been delayed at the doctor's office, Liz would have been done at school and she would have been able to pick me up on the way home. But I got done fairly quickly and I was there, I guess, about an hour. So it was too, too long to just sit around and wait for Liz. So I took an Uber home. Going, it cost me $15. Coming home, it cost me 12 And... As I said last week with Uber, Uber is like a convenience store 
for transportation. I could have taken a bus to a trolley and gone to the appointment. The problem with that is that 10-minute journey by car from my house to media would have taken between an hour and an hour and 15 minutes. I made the determination that I'd rather pay the money than take the time to do that. I got to play with Ziggy a little bit and, and not have to leave him cooped up in his, in his crate for all that extra time. Coming back, I don't know that I will ever take that coming home because I would have to cross Chester Road and it's a, a really weird spot where I would have to cross. I'm not comfortable crossing streets to begin with, as I've mentioned plenty of times. And where I would have to cross, it's a weird intersection and I, I'm just not comfortable doing it. I, I just, uh, and, and I'll tell you another story a little bit later when I talk about what I did on Thursday. So that was my Monday. And again, as all this is going on, all the, all the stuff going on this week, it's not letting me get to some of the stuff that I needed to get to, whether it's the NFB of Pennsylvania website or it's my own web stuff or any of the other things that I have to do uh, that are related to those things. Tuesday, I was scheduled to go to Harrisburg for a meeting on Wednesday morning, and I had hoped that I'd be able to do the meeting and take the, take the train on Wednesday morning, go to this meeting for the business enterprise program, and then take the train home all in one day. The problem was, when I found out what time the meeting was, it started at 8 there's no way that I'd be able to get to Harrisburg even in time. The first train from Philadelphia leaves at 627. For me to catch that train, I'd have to leave my house. If I took the train from Swarthmore in, I'd have to leave my house at roughly 530. The train is sometime between 530 and 6. I don't remember the exact time. If I needed to Uber in, I'd have to leave by 6. So that would still have me getting up probably around 3.30 or 4 in the morning, which most days that's around the time I'm going to bed. And I didn't think that that would be, that would be a good thing to do even before I found out what time the meeting, I thought the meeting started at 9, and at 9 o'clock it would be doable, but then I'd have these things to think about. I didn't think it would be a wise thing to do to sit in a meeting for eight hours after waking up between 3.30 and 4 o'clock. And I'd have to do that so I could be done in the shower, so Liz could get in the shower, so she could get ready, take Ziggy for a walk, and then go to work. So I opted to stay overnight in Harrisburg. And I stayed at the Crown Plaza, which is the hotel that the NFB of Pennsylvania State Convention was back in 2021 and will be at again this year. The nice thing about Harrisburg from Philadelphia, it's only about two hours by train. Last year, as I told you, the convention was in Pittsburgh. That's about eight hours by train. Actually, for us, it ended up being about eight and a half hours. So then when you tack on the travel time from the house to either the train in Swarthmore to get to Philadelphia or the Uber ride into Philadelphia to 30th Street Station, it adds between a half an hour and an hour. So it's a long day when it's a little bit further. And it's hard to get used to that because you jump on the train and can be in New York in about an hour and 20 minutes, or you can be in Washington in a little under two hours, or Baltimore in an hour and a half also. 
So it's the fact that it's in Harrisburg is good because again, it's a nice. The hotel's decent. The Starbucks in it sucks, and I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but when I when I got to Harrisburg, I, I called for an Uber. I got a guy named Howard. <laughs> Howard was uh, from the islands and had hair down to his butt. It was the craziest long dreadlock I have ever seen. It went all the way down his back. I couldn't believe it. And I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, I've been growing it a while and so forth and so on. I get to the hotel, and I thought, you know, I don't know why I didn't just walk it because it's only about four or five blocks. The problem is they're doing construction around the train station, and there are some sections where there are not sidewalks, and I'm not that familiar with the city yet. Maybe after I go back again in November to the state convention, maybe then I'll feel more comfortable. So by the time I get to the hotel, it's a little before six, and I was hoping there's a Mexican restaurant around two blocks away, a block and a half away, that we had gone to a couple of times. We only ate at once, but we had gone to a couple of times when the state convention was there. The one time it was later in the night, and they closed at like 9 or 9.30, and we had gotten there just after 9, and they they really didn't want us to stay, so we didn't. And it was still while things were coming out of COVID and restaurants didn't have normal hours and other businesses didn't have normal hours. So we didn't, we didn't have dinner or whatever we were going to have there. I don't even remember. But because I had gotten to the hotel just before six, I didn't have enough time because I had a meeting uh, for the NFB of Pennsylvania website at seven. So there was no way I was going to be able to walk there, eat, and then come back. So I asked when I checked in, is there any fast food close by? And I was told there's not. So I thought, okay, there's a restaurant here in the hotel. I'll go get something to go in case it takes a while. At least I'll have everything and I can just do the meeting while I finish, while I finish dinner. Uh, it turns out everything went well and I didn't have to eat while I was on the call because I, <laughs> I didn't want to do that and I, I was happy that I didn't have to. A couple of funny things happened, though, when I was ordering my meal and when I was getting it ready to to bring back upstairs. We were there, like I said, in November of 2021, a whole bunch of blind people. I don't know, 120, 110, give or take. I don't remember what the number was, 90, somewhere upper 90s to 120 blind people there just over a year and change ago. This person at the hotel, he was so nice and so helpful, but he had no idea. He was afraid to say things and afraid to assume things or not assume things. He didn't know how, he just didn't know how to talk to me or help me. For example, he, I asked him if I could charge my room to the, I'm sorry, if I could charge my meal to the room. And he said, sure, what room number is it? And I gave him my room number. It was 732, if you need to know. And I then had to print my name on the receipt and then sign it. And I, I asked him to print it. And he said, I was going to ask if you wanted me to do that. And, and he did. And then I signed it. And he put the pen down where I needed to sign. So I had to reach for the pen without knocking it because then that <laughs> put a, basically a line across where I needed to sign. I grabbed the pen from him and I said, I'm right at the spot. And I, you know, held the paper tight so it didn't move around and the pen didn't move around. And then I signed, I scribbled my name and that seemed to be good enough. When he brought 
the food, and that was when I ordered. When he brought the food to me in the to-go container, he said, I didn't know what you wanted, so I threw some mayo and some ketchup and some mustard in there. And then he started to describe the packages that they were in. And I said, okay, that's, you know, I have my phone will tell me what, what's what. And I'll be able to tell the difference that way. And he said, okay, well, just know that the mustard is the smallest, the mayo is the biggest, and the ketchup is obviously the one in between. The mayo container, and he, again, gave me more information than I needed to know. And I, again, explained to him that my phone can read me the labels of these things. Now, they didn't have barcodes, so it would have been enough to read or tell me something about what was in the container. And the only thing I really needed was the ketchup for the fries. So instead of walking back up the stairs, because I walked down the stairs, I, I love, as I told you before, I will walk up and down the stairs in a hotel more than the elevator, only because, A, I don't want to, especially now, touch the buttons on the elevator and deal with that, and then also deal with wondering what floor it is, because this elevator doesn't say seventh floor or any floor. It kind of beeps at each floor. So if I'm thinking about something and miss one of those beeps, or if we stop and people get off and on, which never happened while I, until I was leaving, and that I did take the elevator down when I had my suitcase. So I usually like to walk up and down the stairs, and also because I get my steps in that way. So I walked down the stairs. I didn't walk up the stairs with the food because I was also carrying a drink, an iced tea with lemon, which was outstanding, which usually <laughs> anymore it seems like when I order any kind of iced tea or any kind of tea, there's never lemon to be had. But they had lemon, and it was great, and I was super happy <laughs> that I got that because I was down about a quart after traveling that day. And then after all the salt in my meal, I had a bacon cheeseburger and fries also, and, and of course, you know, the bacon is salty and everything else. When I get back to the room, I can tell the difference because, again, because he told me so much information about the packets, and I could tell the mayo packet was a gray and white, whereas the ketchup packet was red, mostly red. And I could tell that difference. And that I was happy with because lately I haven't even really been able to differentiate colors a lot. So I did that, had my meeting, which lasted, I, I don't know, an hour to an hour and a half, I guess. And I got my steps in there, even though it was a fairly small hotel room. I walked around for most of the meeting. Now, I was tired, so I didn't walk as much. I, I think I only got about 3,600 steps in during the meeting, as opposed to, I know one meeting I had, I got about 6,000 steps in. <laughs> After the meeting ended, I then texted Liz and Jane and said my meeting was over and so forth and so on. And within 10 minutes of that meeting ending, I got a text from Pam, who is the president of the Blind Merchants. And at first I thought it was a joke. The meeting tomorrow was canceled. I said, canceled? I texted back. That would have been helpful before I <laughs> traveled out to Harrisburg, checked into the hotel room, because obviously I had to stay now. And she said that the air quality in the building was poor. Now, this meeting wasn't at any rinky-dink meeting place. It wasn't at a hotel where things could go wrong. This was at the Labor and Industry Building, a government building in Harrisburg. 
a government building run by the state of Pennsylvania, or as the proper phrase goes, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Don't ask me the difference. It's one of four, though, in case you didn't know. And I thought, that is the most ridiculous thing. I then, of course, thought, they just, it's just never-ending with this business enterprise program and getting training up and running. Everything just keeps getting pushed back. And as the saying goes, there's no such thing as coincidences. It just made me wonder what's going on that they couldn't find the hotel I was in, the Crown Plaza. There's meeting space there, obviously, because we have our convention there. Now, I don't know how many people were going to be at this business enterprise program meeting with the state licensing agency, but I know the ballroom that we have the main event of the state convention probably could seat a couple hundred people comfortably, whether you do chairs in rows or you do tables and chairs. And I just couldn't believe that all these people traveled from all around the state, sorry, all around the Commonwealth to Harrisburg. And it's a lot easier for folks on the eastern end of the state to get there than the folks on the western end because there are more train options and so forth. Maybe not from Scranton or Wilkes-Barre or any place up in the Northeast, but from Southeastern Pennsylvania through to Lancaster and those places, very easy to get to by train and not a lot of time. From Pittsburgh, not so easy. One train a day and it leaves at 7.30 in the morning. Heads to Philadelphia. I couldn't believe it. I was mad that I was spending all this money and, again, time, because now I was going to be away from home for, I left my house, I don't know, I think we left the house around 2 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon for my afternoon train, and I wasn't due to get back. My train home was supposed to be at, I don't know, I think it was 5.30 at night, getting me in just before 7.30 into Philadelphia, so he's going to be away, and so I thought, what am I going to do? I texted Liz, and I texted Jane. I said, the me- you're not going to believe this. The meeting was canceled. And one of them told me, I don't remember which one, said, why don't you see if you can get an earlier train home? And I said, okay, I'll try, but I've got to call because I can't do that on the app because there is a special price for folks with disabilities, and I wanted to get that price. I didn't want to tra- travel home earlier and pay a higher price. And I actually was hoping that there would have been a train that night. Unfortunately, there was not. And I would have checked out of the hotel and just went home. Before I left the house and I was packing, the only thing I put in my suitcase was a suit, a black T-shirt that I was going to wear under my dress shirt, and socks and underwear for the next day. I didn't put a normal change of clothes in there, figuring I I wasn't going to have a chance to change from my suit at the meeting to jeans and a flannel or whatever. So I didn't bring anything. And it's funny, I went back and forth in my mind. Should I bring something else? I'm like, no, I'm not going to have a chance to do it. Just take the suit. That's all you need. Believe me, the next time I go, I'm going to take an extra pair of jeans and something 
<laughs> that I could wear besides a T-shirt up on top. And I, so I went back and forth and Liz said, oh, just wear the suit. And I didn't want to wear the suit because the suit would have gotten wrinkled. I would have gotten something on it. I always get something on it, whether it's, whether it's something I do or when I got home and Ziggy mauled me, it would have been his dog hair all over it. So I didn't want to wear the suit. So I, it turns out I just wore the jeans that I had worn there and used the T-shirt as the only shirt that I had on. Fortunately, it was fairly warm that day. And, and when I say fairly warm, it was supposed to be in the low 60s. I didn't take the train home from Swar- to Swarthmore from Philly because I, I know that while the Amtrak train was warm, the SEPTA train would not have been. So I ended up taking, and I would have probably taken an Uber from Swarthmore Station anyway because Liz was not done school yet. And I wasn't going to walk home about a mile with the suitcase. That walk home requires me switching hands multiple times to sweep with my cane because of my hands, because of the issue with my hands. And it just, it just would have, it would have taken me forever. So I figure if I'm going to get an Uber anyway from the station, why don't I just get the Uber from this station? And the guy drove really fast in his crazy gold colored Toyota Highlander. And it was awesome. I got home so fast after ordering the Uber. In fact, when I ordered it, I think it said one minute away. And then within 30 seconds, it said, and I don't remember his name, is here. (laughs) And I walked outside. I had to hustle to walk outside in time before I ended up getting charged extra for him waiting. So going back and forth with Pam about staying over, and she thought I was just going to come for the day because the last that we had talked when we were in... State College, when she and Lynn Heights and I talked, I thought I was just going to go out for the day. And that was my hope, not to stay over. But again, I didn't know what time the meeting started. I didn't know how long it ran. And until I got the agenda, I didn't even make my travel plans on the train because I didn't want to make them too early or too late. If the meeting was going to get done at 2, I wasn't going to stay until 5. If the meeting got done at 7, I, wasn't going to, I would have left later. And I didn't get those itinerary, I don't think, until sometime the day before. I knew after checking a week or so earlier, I knew that there was plenty of space on all the trains, that they were not near capacity. So I knew I'd be able to get back. It was just a matter of what time. And maybe I would have had to have paid a little more if, it, if they got full or whatever. One thing that I learned from Pam after going back and forth when she told me the meeting was canceled. She said, everybody's checking out from the hotel first thing in the morning and and heading home. And again, most folks either had someone drive them there or were close enough that they didn't matter that they were on some sort of schedule. They, Pam, for example, lives in Harrisburg. So that's not a She's not waiting at specific times for Amtrak trains and so forth. And I said, oh, what hotel did everybody stay at? Because I didn't know everybody was staying over. And and everybody stayed at a Sheridan in Hershey, which is very close by Hershey, Pennsylvania, which would have been awesome to stay at the next day if I couldn't get a ride home or find a train home early because I could have gone at that point, gone over to Chocolate World or whatever that's at Hershey Park. The park is not open yet, but I could have gone gone through Chocolate World and come home with some <laughs> delicious treats. So I'm hoping for the next time when it is in April, April 28th, that 
I will find out where everybody is staying beforehand so I can stay in the same hotel because that would have been better and I could have hung out with these folks before the meeting the next day. That's if I go next time. I, I was just kind of turned off by everything that, that went down. But I so want to be there. Not that I'm in the program again, but it's so important to me that this thing gets up and running again. And I don't want to miss out on that. Again, I don't know 100% that I'll go for sure. But we'll see. And it's weird because the day before and the day of, I had a weird feeling about going. And it turned out, for better or for worse, that the thing was canceled. So maybe that was the weird feeling I had. I don't know. So that was my... A uh, useless trip to Harrisburg uh, that uh, I paid, uh, let's see, $50 in Uber rides, 155 plus taxes and dinner. Uh, the dinner was, I think, 32 So probably about 200 or $210 for the hotel. And then the train, the Amtrak ticket, which was <laughs> was the cheapest of the whole lot, round trip, it was about $35. So it's it adds up, and you know we're looking at somewhere between uh, two seventy and three hundred dollars for that day. I obviously, like I said, don't have a BEP business that I can charge it to or write off from. So we'll see how things go. Maybe when they actually do have a meeting, the state affiliate will will cover. Uh, Lynn had said that that would be the case, but. I feel a little funny asking for that when nothing happened. So that was my Tuesday and Wednesday, and I was happy to get home as early as I did on Wednesday. Since nothing was going on, I got home in time. Ziggy and I got to have lunch together, and basically the rest of the day was a fairly normal day. And I didn't have anything that night, which I had a meeting on thir- a Tuesday night and then again on Thursday night. Thursday night's meeting was a meeting on the finance uh, committee for the state affiliate, the NFB of Pennsylvania. But I'll get to that in a minute. I was excited for Thursday because even though I had been in Harrisburg on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night, and I was able to catch up on the little bit of work that I couldn't do on, on Tuesday and Wednesday, I don't know that I could say catch up, but at least I, because I was home at a decent hour on Wednesday, I was able to get some things done, maybe not everything, and not go through all, every email but I was able to get back into the swing so that Thursday when I went to Eastern State Penitentiary, a place that I've wanted to go for such a long time, but I never knew how much I would get out of it because I, of my vision. The Eastern State Penitentiary tour was put together by Trish at Philly Touch Tours and Philly Meetup for the Blind. This was a Philly Meetup for the Blind event. And I was so excited to go now. I talked to Alex the day before, and there's more on that coming up in Just Listen. (laughs) I talked to Alex the day before, and he said, it's freezing in there. Make sure you dress warmly. And it was supposed to be 69 degrees on Thursday. Well, that morning, I knew it was windy and rainy and cool and raw. So I put on a T-shirt, but I also put on a fleece flannel type of shirt. And I I was warm all morning. I was warm all the way to Eastern State Penitentiary in the Uber. But after being there for about 20 minutes and waiting outside in the 
windy, rainy day, I was freezing. And then we went inside. (laughs) And it was also freezing. Not as bad as outside because the rain wasn't coming in, at least. We went around the prison and we got to see Al Capone's cell. And they had one where he actually stayed and one where it was staged. They weren't sure. One of two cells that he stayed in, one was empty, one was staged with beds and so forth. And it was very interesting. We couldn't go in, which that was a little disappointing, but one was set up with beds, two beds, and some furniture, and there was some music playing. And it was interesting. The one thing that kind of took me aback by all of it, but especially with Al Capone was, did you know Al Capone started soup kitchens in Chicago? He wasn't all bad. And the way they were talking about this guy was that, you know, maybe he really shouldn't have been here. He didn't really do anything that bad. When I came home, I was interested because I, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And it kind of plays off what's happening in society today. I came home and I listened. I asked the A lady and the G lady, and then I searched online on my own, how many murders Al Capone committed? He was either directly or indirectly for about 200 murders. Now, that's great that he started the soup kitchens, but give or take, 200 people were killed because of him. And... I know that not everybody is 100% bad or 100% good. But the way they were talking about this guy, it just rubs me the wrong way. And prisoners in general. Most folks, not all folks, there are some folks that go to jail and were wrongly accused and wrongly convicted. I get that. But most folks who are in jail should be in jail because they've done something wrong that goes against societal norms. And I just didn't like that they were pushing all of that aside because of the way things are or were. And that says a lot today when you see on the news all these stores where people are shoplifting and nothing ever happens to them. And that's why more people shoplift and that's why it goes from that to something worse and just builds because they know they could get away with it. Nothing will happen to them. And it kills me when I see the stores, the Wawa convenience stores, some have closed because of the shoplifting. There have been reports and video showing mobs of folks going into Wawa's and just going through the place and destroying the merchandise and stealing stuff. And nothing ever happens to these folks. It just is unbelievable to me. And then to hear those things that they were saying about folks in prison, should they be treated badly? Of course not. But they committed a crime, and that's how they're punished. You don't get to go home and say, oh, I'm sorry for your upbringing. I'm sorry for your lot in life. I'm sorry you have this wrong with you or that wrong with you. 
If it's something serious, obviously they shouldn't be in jail. They should be in some other institution. But they shouldn't be out on the street if they're doing those things. And to hear all that, that kind of, between that and the fact that I was so cold, I forgot to even get audio from there. And for a moment I thought about it when we were near one of the cells that we could go into. It wasn't Al Capone's. It was just a general cell, which was roughly eight by eight. And the floor, the floor was so cold. My, my legs were freezing for hours after that, from my feet to my knees. <laughs> Even after being in the warm Uber coming home and coming home and having more hot tea after having hot tea at a cafe across the street from the prison after with, with the group of us that went. So I forgot. I got home and I thought, oh, my God, I didn't get anything for Just Listen. And I texted my friend Lisa, who was going to was thinking about writing a story about it, about our tour, but she couldn't get her recording device to work, so (laughs) she didn't have anything either. But I do have something else for Just Listen, but that'll be coming up in a little bit. While I enjoyed going to the prison and actually seeing it and learning about it, that it opened in 1829 and was basically a blueprint for prisons around the world for over 120, 140 years. And this prison was open. Eastern State Penitentiary was open for, I think, 142 years. They closed in 1970. I was shocked to know that it closed in my lifetime. I couldn't believe that. The walls of this place were so thick, 30 feet thick. They went down below the surface of the ground. They went down around 20 or 30 feet. They went up around 30 feet. It was just unreal how this, how this was like a fortress. But it was good to go and see it and actually finally get to say, hey, I've been there. Now I know what it's like. I don't know how it would be set up, and I would never do. At Halloween, they have, I forget what they call it, terror behind the walls or something like that. It's a big Halloween, basically haunted house, except it's a haunted penitentiary. <laughs> and it's super popular. It is a reason people come to Philadelphia from all around to, to go around Halloween from sometime in September when it starts through early November when it's done. I don't know that I'd ever go to that, like I said, but it was great to get to go on the tour. And Hopefully the next time if I go in, because we had talked about going and seeing some other parts of the penitentiary at another time. And if we go, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping it's a warmer day. But I love all the stuff that we do with the Philly Touch Tours and Philly Meetup for the Blind. A lot of great things going on with that. And it's always good to be a part of that. And again, a lot of the folks that are in that on the Philly Meetup for the Blind aren't in any NFB chapter. There were there were three other NFB folks there besides me. There was Lisa and Denise Brown and uh, Mary. Mary's from the Keystone chapter as well. Denise from Greater Philly. So it was fun to be with those folks as well as the folks that I only get to see at the Philly meetup for the blind events. And I don't go to all of them. I, if I can, I go, but not all of them. It's just... Sometimes the scheduling doesn't work out or it's something at night when Liz is home. So one more thing before we get to Just Listen, inspired by Alex. It is White Canes Connect episode 66. I kind of teased it last week, right after we had talked to Dakota Hogwood from the Business Enterprise Program. And Dakota runs the Grab and Go at the Green Federal Building at 6th and Arch in Philadelphia, where I first worked for Kirk Hunger at the beginning of 
my time with him in June of last year, worked there for a few weeks before it turned over to Dakota. It was a great interview with her in White Canes Connect episode 066. She talks about the BEP, the Business Enterprise Program. She talks about operating the store. She talks about training and how you get involved. And it's so important for folks to get into that. If you're blind or visually impaired, you've got to be at least legally blind to get into the BEP. But the opportunity that it gives you is just outstanding. It's where you operate grab-and-goes, which I call the blind bodega, cafeterias, cafes, and vending places in federal buildings, state buildings, and in the rest stops along the interstate highways. When I say vending, it's not just a few machines like I used to have at the video store. It's, in Kirk Hunger's case, at the post office distribution play center in Philadelphia, I, I, there were somewhere around 30 to 35 machines. So it's a huge operation. If I got involved, it would be in the vending because that's something that Liz and I could do on our own. And and that, I'm still on the fence about that. I, I'd much rather do a business that I could get some help from the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, but not be part of the BEP. I want people to get into the BEP, though, because it's something, as we said in episode 066, if you are blind and you are a kid in high school and you're wondering, what am I going to do? I don't know that I, I'm suited to go to college. You could go to training for this. You go for about a little over two months and you come out, you get you get going and you have your own business and you make your own living and it's, and that's all you need and you can grow from there. You don't have to stop at one. You can have several. If you can figure out how to run several, you could do it. With the vending, you could do because the vending is not something you have to be at every day for eight to 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day, depending how long it's open because most of them are in places that are accessible 24 hours a day. Now, obviously, with vending, you need to be able to have a driver. And the folks that usually make it work are folks that use a family member, a sighted family member, as the driver. And then at least all the profits, the pay that they are earning, plus the profits from the vending, stay within your household. There is a husband and wife team out in the western end of the state Ron is the BEP operator, and then his wife, Beth, works in the business, and they work it together, and it works out great. Beth drives the van they have and does all that does all that stuff, while Ron does most of the accounting and all that sort of stuff, ordering. But it's a nice family business like that. The one thing about Dakota that—actually, there were two things about Dakota that kind of reminded me of me— She's only 24, and she started in the BEP program back in 2019. She got her first place and took it over in late December of 2019. And then you know what happened in March of 2020. And most of the buildings that these grab-and-goes or cafeterias or cafes are in are still not back up and running at close to 100% where folks are in the building five days a week 
a lot of folks are working from home now, so they're not viable to even operate a place. So her place got shut down with COVID, and she just got into the Green Federal Building last summer. I think she said she opened in August. The other thing that was funny and reminded me of me when I was younger, she said, before I got into the BEP, I wanted to go to school and learn web and graphic design. But as she thought more about it, she said, not being able to see would really be difficult for me to do that. See, she re- there, there's the difference between the two of it. She realized it wasn't a good idea because at some point she knew that her vision was going to be to the point where she wouldn't be able to do it. I didn't realize that and still don't, <laughs> still don't know that. But I still love it just the same. So that's episode 66, 066 of White Canes Connect. It will be out by the time you hear this. And check it out. It's with Dakota Hogwood from the Business Enterprise Program with her grab-and-go, or as I like to call them, Blind Bodega at the Green Federal Building at 6th and Arch in Philadelphia. Now for Just Listen. I mentioned that I wanted to have something from Eastern State Penitentiary. I thought about doing some things as I traveled to Harrisburg and around Harrisburg and back from Harrisburg, but I thought, how many times could you hear a train operator or a conductor say, next stop so-and-so? I didn't want to do that again. There wasn't anything going on in Harrisburg. Maybe had the meeting happened, maybe I would have had some sounds from there. But the meeting didn't happen, so I didn't. And then, like I said, I forgot to do it at Eastern State Penitentiary. I really thought when I was at the penitentiary, I really thought about going into the cell and doing the opening from there, doing the pitch for Amazon.com and my link to that. If you want to make a purchase at Amazon.com, go through my link, com slash Amazon, and do it from within that cell because the, <laughs> the acoustics in there were crazy. I don't know that I could have done it without my teeth chattering, however. So when I realized I didn't have any audio and Lisa didn't have any audio that I could borrow, I thought, what am I going to do? I spoke to Alex either later on Thursday or Friday, and I'm recording this Saturday afternoon, and we were talking about something, and he mentioned something about YouTube and ideal. <laughs> and this is something that in the Philadelphia area, there were these stores called Ideal. And they used to have this jingle that would get in your head, and now I'm going to put it in yours. So here is this week's Just Listen. If you're blind, please don't take the wheel of your automobile. If you've got a passion for fashion, and you've got a craving for saving, take the wheel of your automobile and swing on down to Ideal. You can buy two outfits for a little more than the regular price of one at the Ideal Manufacturing Company. Ideal has everything. So why pay regular prices at regular retail stores? Take this tip. Make the trip to Ideal. I'm not sure when that jingle was recorded, but I'm willing to bet it was in the 1970s, if not the 1960s. And I can't remember the commercial itself where I can see what the story was with it, but the jingle stayed in everybody's head. Even when somebody when we were kids and would say that's not ideal, people would start singing that, that song. So it's just kind of funny. So there is this week's Just Listen. Let me know what you think. 
the usual spots at David Benj on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, where you can also listen to this podcast like Ziggy does. Reach out on social media. You can also reach out via email. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. Whether you've got tips, ideas for shows, if you know somebody who's a blind boss, one thing I realized this week after looking at stats, it is much better and much more appreciated, it seems, when I have a guest on. I just can't do both this show like this and a blind bosses episode both in one week. It's just too much between that and White Canes Connect. I don't have enough time to do that. So I am going to do more Blind Bosses and probably less of these. Maybe I'll only do this once a month and Blind Bosses every week. We'll see. We'll see how it goes once I start scheduling the interviews. So again, reach out. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. There is also the phone number 646-926-6350. Tell me what you love, what you hate, Blind Boss ideas, tips, tricks that you're blind and when you go out, you do something a certain way. I'd love to hear it. Again, 646-926-6350. Please leave your name in town if you do leave a voicemail. And remember, you have up to three minutes. That will do it for episode 224 of I Can't See You. As usual, the show notes are available over on the website, icantseeyou.com slash 224. That's icantseeyou.com slash 224. Remember, I Can't See You sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash 224. And I forgot to mention that last week, so hopefully you know if you need to go, that's where you can go. Thanks again so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Be well, stay safe, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.